I invite you to rise as you are able as we hear the words of our gospel this evening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And we begin with verse 19 this evening. Jesus told them this story. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, So that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. The man said then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer, our light and our life. Amen. It's really easy when we hear this story of the rich man and Lazarus to want to assign moral values to this story, right? It's very easy for us to say, well, the rich man was bad or evil or whatever other negative term you want to use to describe him. And it's very easy as well to have pity on Lazarus, to feel bad for him, to say, oh, he must have been really good if he ended up with Abraham in the afterlife. And it makes a lot of sense that we would want to do that because as humans, This is just literally part of our biology. We like to classify things. We like to put things in their neat little box and close the lid and wrap a bow on it and say, there, we're done, that's taken care of. But it's not that easy. Especially with a reading like this where it seems like you can just jump right into some ethical conversation or moralism or 
could be really easy to treat this like one of Aesop's fables with the, you know, the saying at the end that tells us what to do. But I don't think that this story is that one-dimensional. I think this story has a lot to give and a lot to learn. And if we just talk about the rich man being bad and Lazarus being good, then I think we're missing a huge opportunity. So this evening, hopefully in the next couple minutes, I can convince you that this story has a lot more to say than just who's good, who's bad, who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. And speaking of heaven and hell, one of the things that I really... This is probably a little bit of a soapbox and not quite on the main point of my sermon, but I still always feel like I should talk about it. There's no heaven and hell in this story. Our concept of heaven where the good people go and hell where the bad people go, you can see how that idea comes, could be, could be derived from this story. But what the story says, what Jesus says is that the rich man who's in Hades, which in the Greek understanding and the Jews of Jesus' time were Hellenized Greek, they had, they're Hellenized Jews, they had been influenced by Greek theory and theology and philosophy. Hades was just the place where people went to die. And so the rich man is being tormented and Lazarus is with Abraham, but there's no concept of hell is down here and heaven is up here. It's just that the man looks over and sees Abraham and Lazarus and cries out. And they're so far away, there's such a wide chasm that nobody can pass. So different areas of the dead, but not necessarily heaven and hell. And again, I think that lends to the point that I want to, to share with you that this is not necessarily a moralistic text. I think this story is brilliant in that it's a very good reflection of reality. Because whether it's 2,000 years ago or today or next week or maybe even 100 years down the line, I think we can all relate maybe to both Lazarus and the rich man in this story. I mean, how many of you driving downtown in Billings or in another city have been at a stoplight or a stop sign where there's somebody standing there with a sign that says hungry or need a job or homeless veteran or whatever? And you just sit there with your hands on the steering wheel looking right at the light, not wanting to make eye contact with that person who, if there was not a car door between you, you could probably reach out and touch. So we can relate to the rich man who literally at the gate of his house would just walk past this man who was suffering every single day. Every time the rich man went out to do business or came back from the marketplace, any time he went out to the synagogue, came back after worship, he would have 
maybe seen Lazarus, but not really seen him. And I think we can all relate to Lazarus because we've all had difficulty in our lives. Maybe not homelessness and such severe poverty that we would like to eat the scraps off of somebody's table, but we've all struggled. We've all had chapters of life that have been difficult, that we've questioned, that we've wondered, where is God? How do I understand what God is doing in my life? And I don't think that any of you, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think any of you would say you are either the most evil person in the world or the most perfect person in the world. If you feel that way on either side, please come talk to me and we'll, uh, we'll pray about it and we'll work on your self-esteem and we'll call a therapist. Um, but, I mean, honestly, right? None of us, none of us are all good. None of us are all bad. In those moments of not wanting to make eye contact with someone who's less fortunate asking for something, that may not be the best response in the world, but it doesn't make you evil. And on the other side, in those moments of not feeling good enough, in those moments of struggle, that doesn't make you somehow some wonderful saint who's being martyred for the kingdom of God. It just means that you're struggling. So, again, I just don't want us to think in the sense of morality in this story. Instead, I want us to think about this story as a story that reflects reality. And that not only does it reflect reality in that we can relate to the characters and that we can see how, you know, they're not perfect, they're not all good, they're not all bad, but that it's a reflection of reality in that we still live in this reality. We still live in a world where there are people who have more than enough, more than they could use, more than they could spend in literal lifetimes. And we have people who, I mean, we had a couple who came in tonight who needed food and a hotel room and a tank of gas because they were trying to get home. This is real. There is a wide, wide chasm between the people who are on top of the economic system and the people who are at the bottom. And just as it was in the afterlife in the story, that chasm seems unpassable, unreconcilable. The people who are living on the street eating food out of dumpsters have one reality, and the people who are living in the penthouse and going to multi-international businesses on their private jets are having an entire different reality, and that chasm seems like it's impossible to pass through. And yet, I think 
that Jesus is asking us something. Asking us, what would it look like if that chasm closed or narrowed? What would it look like rather than if the poor only took care of the poor and the rich only took care of the rich? What if there was true solidarity? What if people from different walks of life, different parts of this world, different expectations and realities were able to connect with each other and really see each other as fully human? to see each other as we see ourselves in our fears and our foibles and in our joys and our celebrations, to truly meet one another in that experience of being human. What would that world look like? I think what I just described is one dimension of the kingdom of God. That as we come together as the body of Christ, that as we experience the connection that God desires between us and God and between us and each other, we live into that reality of the kingdom. And that as we experience that, as we feel ourselves becoming closer to one another and closer to Christ, all of a sudden those chasms start to narrow just a little bit. And the way the world is, we are never going to cover that distance by ourselves. We're never going to do it perfectly. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't respond to that love of God by sharing that love with one another. That as we live into this kingdom as the people of God, pulled together as the body of Christ, that we may know that we are loved, that all other people are loved, and that in that love is the ability to live into a new reality, a new life, a new world. So yes, morality is a part of that. We should treat each other nicely. We should take care of each other, absolutely. But if it just stops at being nice, then it's not the life-changing, transformative gospel of Jesus Christ. So I invite you to experience that love, to share Christ's word, and to know that we are 
all one in Christ's body now and forever.